Amen. We're going to be continuing our study in 1 John chapter 2. My son uh, was preaching at our house yesterday, and so he stood up and said, open your Bibles and flip, flip, flip. So I'm going to invite you guys to open up your Bibles and flip, flip, flip to 1 John chapter 2. We are going to be in verses 12 through 17, and what we'll do is we will read the text, we will have a short prayer, and then we're going to get after it. For, so 1 John chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. I said that wrong. Verse 12 through 17. Verse 11 is really good too. Starting verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh... And the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Just a short prayer. Father, help us to understand. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Amen. So we were in verses 3 through 11 last week. And just so we kind of set the stage for where we're going and to understand John's flow of thought, let's go back to verse 3 and just look at what he says very quickly. We're going to read just the first four verses there of what we studied last week, starting in verse 3. And by this, we know that we have come to know them, know him. So it's not... Uh, That's very important. By this we have come, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so God, the, John sets out just a couple things for us. Uh, again, verse 3, we know we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Uh, and then uh, the end of verse 6, he says this, whoever says he abides in him, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He's talking about Jesus Christ there. So what John does is he sets out these two overarching things. If you love God, you're going to keep his commandments. And then the other standard that we are to walk by is to walk as he walked. And now if you remember from last week, 
as John begins to put flesh around, puts uh, meat around this following of God's commandments, and then walking as Jesus walked, uh, he does that in the following verses. And if you can think back to next week, uh, what we heard was the way in which we show, one of the ways we fulfill God's commandments, and we can sum up all the law and two commandments, is, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, is we were shown that it's to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the standard that was set was love as Christ has loved. To love each other as Jesus has loved. And say this from the beginning, I'll say it a few times. Uh, we don't do this, we obviously don't do this perfe- with perfection. But what John's going to do here, starting in verse 15, is he's going to kind of put a negative spin on our, on our love, if you will. So last week it was, well, who do you love? But this week it's, what don't you love in fulfilling God's commandments? And he gives this kind of a nice little reprieve there in the middle in verses 12 through 14. Because, again, remember the standard walk as Jesus walked. As Jesus walked this earth, he did not love the things of this world in terms of sin. Although temptation was all around him, he was completely, completely free from the stains of sin. Tempted in every way that you and I are, yet he resisted. And so it's a really simple message this morning. He's going to tell us in verses 12 through 14 who we are. So, Christian, and then the command, do not love the world. So it's Christian. If you're in Christ, that's who you are, follower of Jesus. Do not love the world. So let's jump right into the text. Verses 12 through 14, let's just set these up. If you look down and glance through quickly, starting in verse 12, 13, and 14, he's going to say the same thing. He's going to start off saying the same thing six times. I am writing to you, I am writing to you, and I am writing to you. Then changes the verb tense just a little bit for your grammarians out there who are going to notice this. He says, I write to you, I write to you, I write to you. So in case they didn't get it the first time, he's going to add emphasis to what he has just said with just a few different variants. I'm writing to you. Then he tells us who he's writing to. Children. Fathers. Young men. And then he repeats the pattern. Children, fathers, young men. And then what he does is he's going to tell them why. This is why I'm writing to you. This is why I am saying what I said. And here's what I want you to notice. Look down at these. These are not conditional statements. These are statements of fact. What I'm saying to you is true of you as a follower of Christ. So the true believers in that John is writing to, these things are true of There are people who have infiltrated the church that are trying to deceive them. And so John's, what he's been doing on the first chapter, and he's going to continue to do, is that's why he's given it. If this, if this, if this. It's not true of them. But my brothers and sisters, these things are true of you. And 
I want you to see something here. It is a powerful thing in the life of a believer to know you're standing before Jesus Christ. It's a powerful thing when John lays before us these things and they penetrate into our hearts. Because let's just be honest here. You know, and we, we, we've already freely admitted this. Loving our brothers and sisters as ourselves is difficult. It's hard. We fall short. It's like, John, come on. And then on the other side, it's going to be, do not love the world. And let's be honest, we feel the pull. We feel the pull towards the things of the flesh. But what he's going to do here, kind of give us a break and affirm us, strengthen us, encourage us. This is who you are. So let's read down through them, starting in verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, why? Because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers. Why? Because you know him who is from the beginning. Look back to chapter 1, verse 1. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This is John's experience with Jesus, with the Savior. And he's telling them, Fathers, you know him who is from the beginning, Jesus Christ. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And he's going to add a little more here in a second. But just in case they didn't get it the first time, again, he's going to reemphasize it. I'm writing to you, children. Why? Because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men. Why? Because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. John 15, or I'm sorry, John 17, 3 says this, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus, the one in whom you've sent. The whole purpose John has written that we've said over the past few weeks, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, I am writing these things so that you know you have eternal life, that you, so you'd have the assurance of eternal life, that you'd be living in freedom from doubt. And I know some of you feel like you're in that position today, but I hope this message encourages you and help us, helps you to press on past that, that these things are true of us. And so tomorrow morning when we go back out into the world, knowing what we're facing and the fight that we're facing, you and I on a daily basis, it's important that we take hold of these things. I, I think I see children in here somewhere, I think. So have, for the kids in here and you decide if that you fit that category, right? Have you ever seen The Lion King? The greatest Disney movie ever written? If you disagree, you're up for church discipline, just so you know. But if you haven't seen it, there's a scene where 
Simba, he's the royal son, but for some reason he, I don't want to get into the whole movie, but he begin, he leaves his responsibilities and runs away, and he's living out in the wilderness for, for a long time, away from the pride that he's supposed to be part of, and he lives sulking and whining and living in self-pity until one day the baboon Rafiki, I can't believe I'm saying this right now, the, the baboon Rafiki finds him and takes him to the water. Do you guys all remember this? He's like, look closer. By the way, this isn't real. Look closer. And then what happens is Father appears in the sky. And what does he say to him? Anybody remember? You don't have to be shy with me. Anybody remember? Remember. Ah, thank you. We got a winner. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You have royal bloodline flowing through you. You are son of the king. And it's only at that point that Zimba takes up his position and begins to act in the way that he has been called to act as a son of the king. My brothers and sisters, we're not getting sent to an easy place. It's going to be hard. But remember what is true of you. Again, these are not conditional statements. If you are in Christ, you can come in here on Sunday morning and know that verse 12, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, because of the person and work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. So when we sing that great hymn, it is well with my soul. You can with all gusto and from the bottom of your heart sing my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Glorious thought. My sin, not in part, not just a little bit, not just a piece of it, not from just a week ago, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Remember who you are. My friends, to the assurance of eternal life is this, that you know the Father. That you know the Father. You know him, the creator of the universe, through the one he sent, Jesus Christ. And young men, and these are all true of us, young men, you are strong because the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one and he you are no longer a slave to sin and have been delivered from the power of the presence of sin or rather I'm sorry I skipped ahead you're delivered from the power of sin right now Remember who you are as we move into this commandment. Again, we have the, a high standard. And John just goes into this. Do not love the world. So Christian, Christian, remember who you are and do not love the world. So let's check out the text. Check out the text. Verse 15 through 17, uh, John has just encouraged and affirmed us in our standing in this life. 
Um, but, but John's no fool, and neither are we. And as we get sent out into the world in our daily lives, we can feel the pull of the world around us. But we can actually set this up into a chart that the things of the world uh, are completely juxtaposed to the things of the Father. So if you just look down at the text, it's like the world, the things of the world are from the world and they're passing away. Now compare that to what it says about the Father. The things of the Father are from the Father and whoever abides in the will of the Father lives forever. So did you see that? They're just completely different. They're completely different. So the things of the world don't find their origin in the Father. But verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. And if anyone loves the world, the things of the Father are not in him. So here's the question. What does it mean do not love the world, because if you've been reading or around Sunday school or watch football on Sunday afternoon, you know the most popular verse in the entirety of Scripture is this, John three sixteen. do not love the world. So what could John possibly be talking about here? Uh, God loves the world, do not love the world. And I think the, uh, the answer is obvious in the text, but just for clarity's sake, I want to just say what he doesn't mean, just take a moment here to say what he doesn't mean. First thing he doesn't mean is complete withdrawal from the world or from society. That's not what he means because John 17 would make no sense. I'm sending you into the world. Evangelism would be impossible if that were true. Second thing he doesn't mean, some of you have such a sensitive soul, uh, sensitive conscience, and that's such a blessing in so many ways, but I want to encourage you um, in this way, especially for some of you raised in the early 2000s and um, that were influenced by a, by a fad. Now, let me just say it that way, um, that you can enjoy to the fullest the things of the earth that God has provided, leading they, given that they don't lead you into idolatry or sin. Now, let me just give you an example from my own life. When I am walking the back nine on a hot July evening and that sun's coming down and I have the course to myself, I am not thinking things of the world can't love this. Thinking, where's my ball? But in the woods, obviously. When I wake up early on a crisp Thursday morning in November to go get in my tree stand and there's a squirrel that runs by for the 15th time and it's not a deer... I'm not thinking things of the world. I hate this. This is a good gift from God to be enjoyed fully. And if you want a good treatment of that, go and listen to Mike's sermon from Ecclesiastes where he declares his undying love for all things Chipotle. Uh, that, would be, um, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but not far off. But no, it's a great sermon and very helpful for you to think in that way. So don't withdraw from society. Enjoy the thing God has provided for us. And it definitely doesn't mean we don't care about the souls of men. It's not what John's talking about. John Stott has a money quote in his commentary on this, and he's actually quoting different scholars. Listen to how he makes a distinguish. He distinguishes between the two. Then 
the first one, it is the Holy One of Redemption. The other, it is the selfish love of participation. The first aims to save the sinner, the person. The second, to share in his sin. Did you catch that? The first love goes in seeking to save the sinner. The second wants to be caught up and share, share in the sin of, of those around him. So a good working definition of the world here is the system that is opposed to God and his commandments, sin. And so look what he says. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2, 5 says this, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. So the love God has shown you and I, the love of the Father that has been pointed out and pressed into our hearts determines and dictates, catch me here, determines and dictates the trajectory of our internal affections. We have he's taken a heart of stone and made it a heart of flesh. And yes, we walk in this world imperfectly. But again, it's the truth. We heard this a couple weeks ago. It's the trajectory of our heart. And this is where I want to press in just a little bit for just a minute. And again, we've talked about it before, and I think it's important that we do this. Look at what John says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love of the world stems from something eternal. Love from the world stems from something eternal. Our primary problem is not what's outside of us. It's what's in us. And parents, this is a sidebar. I want to say this. Um, Just because I'm a father, I have a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old right now. That's just the world I live in. Um, Little Billy... (laughs) has the world living inside of him the same as you did and so yes set parameters yes have rules but legalism doesn't change anything only the gospel does so share with them the good work of Jesus Christ in his book on uh, pornography addiction it's a great resource Heath Lambert wrote a book called Finally Alive. And we can place any sin in here. It's just, it's a, it's a book I've used in, in counsel. And so um, what he does is he begins the book offering parameters to a person who's caught up in, in a sin in their life. Like just like things like, okay, dude, get rid of your computer. Turn off your internet. Uh, things along those lines. Um, but if it was just, a, if you were just to stop there, If you were just simply to stop there, let's all just be honest, it's easy to stop a behavior and look back and long for it as if it's your best friend. 
And so he just goes on to say this towards the end of the book. If your goal is simply to stop looking at pornography, we could say becoming angry, unrighteously angry, then you have set the bar way too low. The goal is to become like Jesus. Remember what John said, setting this up, to walk as he walked. The goal is to become like Christ. To be able to read the psalm and say, Lord, I love your law. Jesus did that perfectly in our place and when we fail. So, brothers and sisters, do not love the world. Let's seek not to just conform to an outward set of rules, but to have hearts and desires that rejoice in loving the Father obediently through hearts that want to follow Him. And I I want to say this. I want to say this. Um, If you know me, and know me well, you'll hear one of these things. I I have these phrases I always repeat all the time. Some of them are good, some of them are awful. Probably most of them are awful. But I always say, I don't like to pretend. I do not like to pretend. It's pointless. So if I were to go around this room today, and we're not going to, so don't worry. Relax and said, asked each one of you. Maybe we'll have Henry do it. I don't know. We'll see. We won't. But um, I say, hey, where, where's your heart drawn in the world right now? Let me let you on a little secret. You're not one sin away from glorification. This one you might know about right now. Where is that? So let's not pretend we don't struggle here. But let me say this. Let's not for a second pretend that transformation isn't possible. Because go back up what he says to the young men. Young men, you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. That's where transformation begins to happen. And you have overcome the evil one. Sin has no say in your life. Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ does. Brothers and sisters, do not love the world. Do not love the world. And just real quick, uh, just a you obviously start with scripture, but I want to make a recommendation for those of you who are looking for something to read beginning of the new year. There's a great little resource uh, in the back. We have a few in the back. Um, but I would recommend ordering if you can. It's a little book called by Tim Chester. It's called You Can Change, God's Transforming Power Over Our Sinful Behaviors and Negative Emotions. I've read it a few times uh, myself. So brothers and sisters, do not love the world. Let's move on to verse 16. Let's move on to verse 16. He starts to unpack the reasons why we don't love the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. Again, we see this distinction. The things, the desires of the flesh 
the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, they don't find their origin in the Father. They're from the world. And the things that are from God are from our benefit. He's not a cosmic killjoy. And uh, we were given a, a book by Andy Naisley called The Serpent and the Serpent Slayer. And I think the title of the book is worth the price of the book. That's so cool, The Serpent and the Serpent Slayer. But he does a great job defining what these things are, so I'm going to quote him here. He says this, The desires of the flesh are whatever your body sinfully craves. A person may crave forbidden food or excessive food and drink, immoral sex, but our fundamental problems, we've said, is not what is out there, but what's in here. The desires of the eyes are whatever you sinfully crave when you see it. Basically, it's craving, coveting, idolatrously wanting to have what you don't have. Coveting is wanting something so bad it makes you fussy. And let me just say this. If you are a covetous, covetous person, idolatrous, it will make it nearly impossible to love your brothers and sisters properly because you're always going to be competing with them rather than rejoicing with them. And then finally, the pride of life. It produces arrogance by your material possessions or accomplishments. Consequently, you may strut around like a peacock, proudly displaying your fashionable clothes, your latest gadgets or social sadness. Jesus has a word for you like this in the Gospel of Luke. He calls you a fool. This night, your life is going to be demanded from you. Then whose are these going to be? Then whose are these going to be? Do not love the things of this world because they do not find their origin in the Father. And as we read the pride of life, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not an exact parallel, but we can see the pattern of our flesh, uh, temptation, and the serpent kind of working against us. It takes our mind back to Genesis chapter 3. Or Adam and Eve, our first parents, were given the command do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet the serpent, more crafted than the other animals of the world, comes and then begins to question the very goodness of God. Did God really say that? Did God actually say that? I would encourage you to go read it, that, that, that portion of Scripture this afternoon. But then it goes on to say, that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, you can see the pattern there. She took its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And then they became ashamed of what they looked like and fell into sin. But... From the very beginning, Genesis 3.15, God promised that there was going to be a one, the seed of the woman, the serpent slayer, who was going to come and crush the head of Satan. You can read about this in Matthew chapter 4. You can read about this in Luke chapter 4. That Jesus was sent out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And he tells him, turn this this piece of stone into bread. Jesus was really hungry. Jesus, like it is written, Satan takes him up to the top to look out over all the kingdom. All this will be yours. All of it. 
if you bow down to me. Jesus says, oh no, it is written. All the temptations that surrounded Jesus, there was never found in him a stain of sin. And let's not kid ourselves. If you and I were Adam and Eve, we'd have done the same thing as them. However, the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, where we fail, he has succeeded on our behalf. Where we didn't, wouldn't have passed the test, he did for us. That's why he's our advocate. That's why he's the propitiation for our sins. That's why he's the pure spotless lamb of God who hung in victory on the cross, buried and rose three days later, conquering the serpent. And why you and I can say when we're in Christ, we have overcome the evil one, not because of us, but because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful salvation you and I have that he's given to us. And let's begin to to wrap up with this. Verse 17. And we'll go through this not nearly as quickly as you probably want to. (laughs) Verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the things that lead the pride of life, wanting to have a worldly view as opposed to a biblical worldview that snuffs out our love for the things of the Father, It's all passing away. Let me just say this. If you are building your lives around those things, that hourglass is running very quickly. It has a shelf life, and we're closer to the end than when we started. Have any of you seen... I'm going to lose some of you here, but that's okay. Have any of you seen the most recent Geico commercials? Those things are the greatest things I've ever seen in the last 10 years. Now I'm talking about the one with Billy Blanks, Ty Bo. Now let's not be embarrassed here. I do want to show a hands. How many of you did Ty Bo? How many? Come on. I know there's somebody. Hey, I see one in the back. Or is he just checking his glasses? <laughs> he just flexed too. Um, who needs CrossFit when you have Billy Blanks leading you through Taibo? And, and the other one, this is my favorite one, tag team, any 90s children in here? Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there. When that song comes on, my, my family, my wife and daughter, figure out very quickly who the best dancer in the house is. This guy, I don't know why you're laughing. But it's so funny when, you, when you, you, you look at those things. Who would have thought, as you all were playing your DVD with Billy Blanks, you guys should try it sometime. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Punching 
or rolling in your family's 92 Dodge Dynasty with the windows down, with your hat on backwards, you're 16 years old, and you think you're the coolest thing in the world, did you really think for a second that those things would be a comedic punchline to a show or commercials 14 years later? Or 14, (laughs) who am I kidding? 14, 30 years later? (laughs) I wish it was 14. 40 years later. You know, as I, I was younger, I would always make fun of people that were older than me. Some of them are in this room right now. Um, and wonder why you weren't so enamored with, and why people older weren't enamored with fads and pop culture and refused to give them the time of day and build their life around them. It's because they come and go. You've just seen it happen so often. and um, Trust me, I could start on some of the things you guys do. Your kids are going to have a field day with making fun of you, but we'll save that for another time. We'll say we love you guys, but I really did want to say that. And they pass away so quickly, and we look at them as if they're so silly. And we're talking about pop culture. We're talking about things of eternity here. When we have been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, the desires of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, will be banished forever and they will never return. My friends, my, believe, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, know who you are. Know who you are. And if I could begin to wrap up and put our two messages together from this week, or the two commands, know you're forgiven. Know you know the Father if you're in Christ. Know you know him who is from the beginning. And as you do that and bask in those glorious truths, I'm going to steal Mike's line here because I just thought it was so great. Continue to stumble with style forward in loving your brothers and sisters and putting to death and seeking transformation for, from the effect, for the affections of our own hearts. For the affections of our own hearts. Christ will come again, and the things of this world will pass away. And so, Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight, and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, Trump shall resound and our Savior will descend. And at that point, even so, God, it is going to be well with our souls. Amen and amen. Will you stand, please, and receive the benediction?
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful Sunday.